Turn to two people and tell them, I've got goals. Tell two people as you sit down, I got goals. I've got some goals. They might be bad goals. They might be good, but I've got something I'm going for today. God has brought us in a series called Goals, and I'm going to say what Casey's already said. If you're a first-time guest at Meadows Church today, we love you. Welcome home. I'm super excited that you're here. God is moving in this place already, and I'm telling you straight up, he is just getting started. So I, uh, any hunters in the house? Anybody hunt? Some hunters? Yeah. Quite a few of you actually. So, you know, you might know it's pheasant season right now. And, um, you know, I went pheasant uh, hunting one time. It was quite the ordeal. I actually grew up in a, in a town, you know, I'm from South Dakota. So uh, just like Nebraska, pretty flat, a lot of hunters. Um, and I remember the first time I went pheasant hunting, uh, I had a goal. The goal was for me just to shoot a bird. I wanted to shoot a pheasant. And I was with some buddies, and they'd hunted before. I'd never gone pheasant hunting. So I was kind of the, the new one on the block. And I remember they lined us up in a field. And if you've ever gone pheasant hunting, you walk through a field. You're trying to scare up the birds. And, you, and obviously, you want to shoot them. My goal was to shoot just one. Limit's like three. I wanted just one. So we're walking the field. But you need to understand, this is kind of a key piece of the story. The, the day was rough. Like, it was cold. It was windy. It was rainy. So it was kind of a crappy day. So that's part of this part of you're going to need to know that. So we're walking through the field, and all of a sudden, the first bird gets scared up. And I mean, a second later, boom, goes down. And I'm like, I didn't even hardly see the thing, and one of my buddies shot it. So I'm like, all right, all right, I guess I got to be kind of quick if I want to shoot a bird myself. So we're walking another maybe 15 seconds. All of a sudden, we hear this ruffling bird gets up, boom. And I'm like, I barely even had my gun from here to here. I'm like, all right, all right, that's the way we're going to play the game. So I said, all right, I can do this. So I'm like, I'm, I'm ready. Like, I have my gun up, and it's, I, there's nothing safe about it. And I'm like walking, and I'm waiting, and I said, I'm going to shoot at the next thing that I see move. So again, you don't want to hunt with me. But uh, so I'm walking through the field, and then it happens. I hear some rustling, and I know as soon as I hear something, I got to shoot. So I look kind of behind me, because it came from behind us. It was weird. So all of a sudden, I hear this rustling, and, and, and the wind's coming this way, and the rain's coming this way, and I see this bird, I see this pheasant get up kind of behind us. And I'm like, I don't care what it takes, that's mine. And I, I don't know how to put it to you so you can really understand the gravity of what happened, but it's like everything just went into slow motion. And I was like, and my gun went back like this. And I'm shooting, I'm shooting against the wind, against the rain. And by the time the bird's way up there, but nobody has shot yet. And I shoot because the wind's hitting me and the rain's hitting me. And I shoot, boom. And I mean, it was like a gift from God. That bird comes spiraling down, boom, lands right in the middle of a gravel road, which is kind of ironic. So I'm like, I was like, yes, yes. I was like ready to put my gun down and be like, bow down. I was like, I'm the man. And I, it was incredible. And my buddies are like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I know. Was that awesome or what? And one buddy's like, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, me neither. I'm like, this is incredible. He goes, no. I can't believe you did that. I'm like, did what? He goes, well, you shot a hen. I'm like, what do you mean a hen? That was a pheasant. He said, yeah, but it's a hen. I'm like, okay, now we're going to split hairs. I mean, come on. I guess you're supposed to shoot the boy roosters. You know, I'm like, come on. I think they were just jealous. I'm like, and then, then, and then it was funny because it landed in a gravel road. So then they wanted to hide it. Well, what if the game warden comes and finds out? I'm like, hide it? I'm going to stuff that thing. That was incredible. I mean, that you don't appreciate it. So according to me, my, that day my goal was accomplished. I don't care what my friend said. They never asked me to hunt again. I don't even care. I'm like, I shot a pheasant, hen, rooster, whatever. We're in a series called Goals. So here's what's cool about 
the word of God that you're going to get today. You should have goals in your life. Now, if you don't have goals, God's going to show you something today. You should have goals. You should write them down. Jesus had goals. He even had us write them down. That's what you're going to get today. But, but I truly believe this. Many people go through life not really knowing what the ultimate goal is. They think the goal is just to get through the next day. I just need to get up and get the kids to school. I just need to get up and finish my assignments. I just need to get up and live through the day so I can only get through the next day and the next day. And soon you get to the end of your life and you realize, what was it all about? Like, what was the ultimate goal? You don't want to get to that point. You need to know the goal. So I, I tell people, you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You need to know what you're shooting for. You need to know what you're aiming at. Even if it's a hen, at least you're aiming at something, right? you got to know. So Jesus, Jesus, in his great commission, Jesus gives us some goals. And I'm going to read the great commission. So the great commission is... Jesus has died. Jesus has rose from the dead. He hung out for about 40 days, appeared to many different people, and then it was time for him to rise up and then send his Holy Spirit. And this is what he says to the disciples, to, to quite a few people. Jesus says that he said this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told the disciples, I have been given all authority, Jesus said that, in heaven and, of earth, and on earth. Therefore, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then he said, teach them to obey everything I'm telling you, everything I've taught you. Teach others so they can teach others so they can teach others. And he said, be, be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And I wrote that down in the message today, and I stopped right there. We're just getting started, but I remember writing that, and I'm like, or, or, or looking at that. Jesus says he's with us always. But I don't know where you're at in your life or what you've got going on, but can I tell you, there's some days I've questioned that. I'm like, Jesus, you say that you're with us always, even till the end of the age, but I've, I've been in situations where I felt so alone. And I felt so lonely. And it's so good to know a promise from God that he says, you know what, Monty, you might feel alone, but you're never alone. Because he's with you. So maybe you walked in here today and you're the one that feels alone. You might be surrounded by people, but you've never felt more lonely. You need to know that in your struggle, you've got a Jesus who is with you, right? In the depression, Jesus, he fights for you. That's what it says. Listen, listen. I know it's early in the message, but somebody needs to hear something. That you have a God that is with you in the dysfunction, in the despair. You've got a God who will never leave you, a God who will never give up on you, and a God who loves you with all of his heart. This is what he is. I'm with you always. I'm, I just love that so much. So here's what happened. Jesus goes up, right? Jesus rises up in the clouds, and, and the first church has begun. The first church was in Jerusalem. That's where this happened. So the, so the disciples and the believers, they start the church. But guess what? From day one, the church was jacked up, just like it is today. Just like it is today. Some things don't change because we're people, and we're the church, and we're a little messed up. So tell your neighbor, I'm messed up. Just admit it. Tell your neighbor, I'm messed up. I'm messed up. <laughs> I am messed up. So they were messed up. So what was happening in the church, the early church? There was already fighting going on in the church. And the, and, and the people were saying, you're not being fair with the way you're distributing food. And they're, they're getting more food than they're getting. So the 12, the 12 closest friends of Jesus, those 12 disciples, they finally said, listen, we can't do this, okay? We're called to preach and teach the word of God. So they start bringing other people in and equipping others to do the ministry. So they picked seven people to be, they called them deacons, but they were seven leaders, and they said, you seven, you take care of those issues. You handle the care ministry. You divide the food up fairly, but we can't worry about it. 
And those seven people started to help with the, with the ministry. Now, two of them were, were uh, Stephen was one of them, and Philip was one of them. Now, there's a Philip that was one of the 12 disciples, but this is another Philip that was one of the seven deacons. So, what, but what's so, what's so crucial here is the first church has begun. Christianity is on fire. Um, seven more people are now doing ministry along with the 12 and others, but, but there's an opposition happening. There, the people, there's a lot of people that still don't believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people that still don't like Christians or Christianity. So they're facing some severe opposition. Say opposition. opposition. See, with opposition comes opportunity. I need to tell you that. That's, that. You should write that down. With opposition comes opportunity. Some of you, you know who you are. You've got opposition in your life. With your kids, at work, in your relationship, maybe in your marriage, you're facing opposition. But God wants you to see today that there's an opportunity. There's an opportunity. The opposition that the early Christians were facing was so severe that guess what happened? Stephen, one of those seven, was killed. He was literally murdered for his faith. And the others see this, and they're like, oh my gosh, we are facing some bad dudes. They hate us, and they hate this. And, and Stephen, they made stuff up. They made up lies. We heard you say this. We heard you do this, just like they did with Jesus. They made stuff up, and they got others to believe it, so much so that they killed him. So they murder Stephen, and the others are like, oh my gosh, if they're killing Stephen, I, I ain't sticking around. So, so God allowed some opposition to create an opportunity. And because of what happened to Stephen, well, the others were freaking out, rightly so. But it caused the church to grow. It's weird. So the church was in one place, Jerusalem, the first church. And now all of a sudden, the Christians scatter all around. And Philip, one of the seven deacons, he goes up to Samaria. Now, he wouldn't have gone there otherwise unless it was for the opposition, right? But Philip, Philip was a believer. Philip had Jesus in him, this Holy Spirit. So Philip goes to a place he would have never gone. He starts talking to people that Jews would never talk to because of the opposition that he was facing. So now he's in Samaria, and check it out. Philip's doing amazing things. Like the Spirit of the Lord in you and Jesus in you, do you know that you have power that is beyond anything you can dream or imagine? Philip is working. Philip is doing miracles. So listen to this, Acts 8, 12. Let me just give you one verse so you can get a picture of what Philip is doing. But now the people believe Philip's message of the good news of Jesus concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many, say many, many people are being baptized in Jesus' name because Philip faced opposition, got freaked out, which we can do, but went somewhere and kept his faith. See, when you don't, when you don't, when you still face opposition, but you keep your faith, lives will be changed. So say what's next. You would think, that's actually the title of the message, by the way, but you would think what's next for Philip is more of the same. Lives are being dramatically changed in Samaria. Philip's talking to a lot of people. A lot of people are starting to believe in this Jesus guy. So you would think, well, what's next? Oh, God, let's keep doing what we're doing. But that's not what God did. And this is where it gets crazy. So I'm going to read to you. And I'm sorry, I didn't even tell you, but we're preaching out of Acts 8. So Acts is the book that's right after the Gospels. So you have the New Testament starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All those stories tell the story of Jesus' life. So then Jesus rose up into heaven, sent his Holy Spirit, and the next book after the Gospel is Acts. It's called Acts because it's all about action. The disciples are like, oh my gosh, Jesus gave us marching orders. This is what we're going to do. So they take action. Say action. They take action and they say, okay, we're going to take this seriously. So Acts 8, remember Stephen's dead. 
the church is starting to scatter. They're freaking out, but they still got, they still got Jesus in them. And they know something. I'm facing opposition, but there's an opportunity before me. So this is what happens. It says, so remember, Philip's doing amazing things. In verse 26, and I'm going to go 26 through 40, or 39 or 40. But it says in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord speaks to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. So Philip went north to Samaria. Now God's saying, go south. Go down, and he says, go to a road, a desert road, uh, that goes between Jerusalem and Gaza. So there's a couple things here that are weird. Okay, first of all, an angel is talking to Philip, all right? You got to understand that. That's not normal. I, I, I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to guess something. Not many of you had, have had an angel show up and start speaking to you, right? But there's always one guy. Yeah, you know, one time an angel showed up and started talking to me in my closet. And you know what I would say to that guy? Listen to me. It doesn't count if you just got done drinking a box of wine, okay? It, that doesn't count. That's not an angel. That's just... That's just, yeah, what you did there. So, but it, this isn't normal. But this is what happened to Philip. An angel shows up and tells him what to do. In verse 27, Philip does what the angel, Philip does what God says. It's crazy how that will change your life. Philip, it says in verse 27, so he arose and he went. He did what the angel said. And behold, a man from Ethiopia, a, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of the Ethiopians. So this is a guy who's a big deal. Like, he's in charge. It says he's in charge of the treasury. So he's in charge of the money for an entire country. And he's like the right-hand man for the queen. And it says, check this out. This is so key. It says uh, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And now he was returning, sitting in a chariot, reading the word of God, reading Isaiah, reading the Bible. So it's interesting because, check this out. The Ethiopian, that's traveling a long ways to go from, to go from um, Ethiopia or it's probably Sudan is probably where it was, down south of Egypt, all the way to Jerusalem to worship. So he goes all the way to church, and then he starts reading the word of God. But this, this you know what hit me this week? This Ethiopian, what he's doing, it describes many religious people today. See, it describes many religious people. They will go to church, right? And that's a good thing. Don't hear me like that's bad. That's good. But he went to church. He was reading the word of God, yet he didn't have the spirit of Jesus Christ in him. And I think this is a lot of people today. I'm doing the right things. I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. I'm maybe even learning some scripture. But, but the Ethiopian didn't have Jesus in him. And you know why? He needed somebody to show him. He needed help. This is why I'm always telling people about life groups. Man, get in a life group. Start doing life with other people so you can learn the word of God together. This, this, so the Ethiopian's doing good things. But I, I said to somebody one time, they were telling me, oh, they're a good person. They're a good person. And I'm like, you know what? Just because you do good doesn't mean you know God. Okay? Don't mistake that. It's great that you're a good person. Technically, we're not because Jesus is the only one who's good. But just because you, the, the Ethiopian was a good guy. He's worshiping. He's reading the word. Not bad. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't kill anybody. But he didn't know God until he met Philip. So check it out. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, the Spirit will speak to you. If you listen, if you're quiet, I promise you, you'll get promptings from God. See, he said, go near and walk along the chariot where the Ethiopian is. So Philip ran. I love it. Philip is so obedient. He didn't just walk to the chariot. He runs to the chariot. And he heard, he heard the, the, the man, the Ethiopian, he heard him reading out of the book of Isaiah. So he's hearing, he's hearing the Ethiopian read out of Isaiah. And Philip asks a question. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Remember last week, if you, if you missed last week's message, man, I can't encourage you enough to go back on our YouTube channel and watch it. 
uh, Philip is doing what we talked about, starting a conversation by asking a question. It is amazing the life change that will happen when we do that, when we care about others enough to, to speak and just ask a question. Philip starts a conversation. Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, how can I understand this unless somebody guides me? So he's reading God's word, but he needs help like all of us. And he asked Philip, come up, come up here, come up in the chariot and sit with me. Like, here's the passage of scripture that I'm reading. Let me read it to you. And he reads out of Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And this is what he's reading. So this is literally, Isaiah wrote this 700 years before. And this is what Isaiah wrote. And this is what the Ethiopian is trying to figure out. He's like, I don't get it. It says this. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he didn't open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. So verse 34, the, the, the eunuch, this Ethiopian, asked Philip, and he says, I don't get it, I'm asking. Whom is the prophet Isaiah even talking about here? Is he speaking about himself? Or is he like talking about some other guy? He doesn't get it. Then Philip opened, opens his mouth, and he begins at the scripture. And he preaches Jesus to him. So what's so key is Philip begins right where the guy is. The guy's right there, and Philip doesn't. What I love about this is Philip doesn't start by sharing his testimony. He doesn't start by sharing his opinion. But he starts at the word of God. Because you know what the Ethiopian didn't have? Though he had, he had a trip to church, and he had a Bible, he didn't have faith. I already told you that. Uh, let me skip to Romans and give you one verse real quick. Romans is another incredible book in the New Testament. Romans 10, 17. So faith, say faith. Faith, what you just said, faith, listen to me, faith comes from hearing the good news about Christ. You want to build faith in your life? You want your faith to grow? Read the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it and hear the good news of Jesus. Philip knew that if this guy hears the good news of Jesus, it's going to change his life. His faith is going to grow. So he, he doesn't share his opinion. I love that. Everybody wants, their, everybody wants to give their opinion. Every, everybody's got a platform today. We've got our socials, our instas, and all this, and, and people can spout out opinions. The news is pretty much an opinion show now. So, but he doesn't give his opinion. Like the day I stand up here and start just sharing my opinion, you should run from this church. I tell people, you, my, opinion, my opinion will land you in jail, okay? That's what my opinion will do. You and me will be cellmates if I give you my opinion. You don't need my opinion. You need the word of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the truth that will not only change your life, but ultimately set you free. That's what it says. That's what the word says. It'll set you free. We don't need opinions. Philip knew it. So he reads the word of God to this man. And listen to how it changes his life. Right after Philip reads the word of God, it says, Now as they went down the road, they came to water. And the Ethiopian, the eunuch said, Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And I love Philip's response. Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. If you believe in what I just read to you, you, let's get in the water. Let's get wet. And he answered and said, the Ethiopian, I believed it. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He says it. He calls on the name of the Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And then he immediately commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the Ethiopian went down into the water and he was baptized. Now, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Now, I don't know exactly what went down there, but Philip was, he was kind of like, we're not in Kansas anymore. I don't know. He was gone, okay? He was gone. I'm going to ask God exactly what went down there when I see him, but I don't know. But he was whisked away, 
And that all of a sudden the Ethiopian was there and he saw Philip no more. But check it out, he went on rejoicing. See, when you accept the Spirit of the Lord and you accept Jesus Christ, you will rejoice. You're still going to struggle. Life's still going to be hard, but you'll have something to shout about. I promise you. The Ethiopian's life was literally changed. Opposition. It all started with opposition. I wonder if, there, if Stephen hadn't been killed, I wonder if the church would ever even left Jerusalem. Would it? We still, we still might have one huge mega church hanging out in Jerusalem today and nothing else. But because there was opposition, it brought an opportunity. What opposition are you facing? It may not make sense. I put down, when, Philip, when, when the angel came to Philip, it would have, Philip would have been like, what? This makes zero sense. A life change is happening here, and you're sending me there? It would have made zero sense. You ever had things that don't make sense? I got to teach the youth kids yesterday. We talked about things that don't make sense. I told them what things I don't get. Like, ladies, why you go to, why you go to the bathroom in groups? I don't get that. I'll never get that. It's just what you do. And I'm okay with it, but I'm just telling you as a guy, I've gone out to eat with guys hundreds of times. And you know what's never happened? We've never been sitting around the table, and all of a sudden a guy stands up and says, hey, you know what, Jim, Monty, why don't you come to the restroom with me? I mean, that's never happened. And if they ever do ask me that, I ain't going, okay? I'm not. I don't care. So there's things that we're not going to get. But, but Philip didn't get it. But, but check this out. This is what I want you to ask yourself when something in your life is happening that doesn't make sense. Rather than asking God, God, why would, you, why would you send me somewhere else when something's happening here? God, why would you allow this sickness in my life? God, why would you allow the struggle that my relationship is going through? God, why would you allow me to stay at a job that I, that I don't even like and that seems to drain the life out of me? But, but, but uh, you're just allowing it right now? Why are you allowing that? Instead of asking God, why, why, why? Say, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? Okay? Where are you trying to take me right now? What are you trying to tell me right now? See, just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to God. Right? Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to God. See, when you listen to God in that moment, when you listen to God and you do what he's telling you to do, I promise you, your life will change. It will change when you do it. Sometimes we're so busy questioning God, God, why, why, why? Well, you know what? Why not? Why not? Well, God, what are you showing me? I don't understand it. Some of the greatest faith walks and the greatest faith growth happens in the opposition. It's not gonna, you're not gonna cling to Jesus and cry out to him when things are great. It's when you're struggling or when you're ticked. You know, that's opposition. Brings opportunity. My gosh, a year ago, we faced opposition in our household. I'm telling you. Ava, I love her. She's 12 years old at the time. But mom was doing her hair every morning. I've told the story. Mom's doing Ava's hair before school. Oh, my God. It was severe opposition. She's pulling Ava's hair back, and Ava likes her hair pulled back nice and tight. There can't be any bumps. If she sees any bumps in her hair, it's like, oh, my gosh, the demon comes out. And you don't want that. Okay, you don't want that. So, we, so every morning was severe opposition. And finally said, we know what, Ava? There's an opportunity here. What if, I know I'm getting crazy here, but what if you got up a little earlier and you just start doing your own hair? I mean, what? Think about that. Then if you're mad at the bumps or you're mad at whatever, you, you can just deal with the devil on your own and we don't need to worry about it. But uh, see, opposition brings opportunity. Ava, praise God, she's doing her own hair today and all is well, at least in the morning. So yeah, it's a miracle. Um, I'm telling you something here. Philip was obedient to God. So I want to take you back to the Great Commission for a second that we read right away. Remember, Jesus said, go and make disciples. 
And then he said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I think that's the part we can kind of look over. Okay, go and make disciples, teach them to obey, do all these things. But I think about that baptism part, and it's interesting. You saw that the, the, the Ethiopian wanted to get baptized, and they immediately did it. So I started looking at scriptures this week, just in Acts, just in the book that we're teaching out of today. And I'm like, okay, there is a definite pattern. The, the first church was on fire like none other. Life change was happening like crazy. Like, like Peter preached the mess, first message and 3,000 people came to know Jesus Christ. That's, that's some serious life change happening. But I start looking at what they did in the scripture because I want to be a church. Listen, if, if you're new to, to medals or maybe you've been coming for a while, you need to know something. I, I'll, I won't get everything right. I mean, I just won't. You'll find that out real quick. But I try to stay as close to God's word as I can. So as I study God's word and I look at the book of Acts, I even read about Peter preaching that first church message. It says in Acts 2.41, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church. 3,000 people. In which, okay, and then I kept reading. I already read you Acts 8.12 when, when Philip was in Samaria. It said they believed his message of the good news of the kingdom. As a result, many men and women were baptized. In Acts 9.18, Saul, who was one of the guys persecuting Stephen and, and helping kill him, Saul's transformed by Jesus Christ in a, on a road. And he's, he's, he's blinded, literally, for three days. And, and all of a sudden, this new unveiling of Paul or Saul comes. He, later, his name's changed to Paul. But it says in Acts 9.18, instantly something like scales fell off the eyes of Saul. And he regained his sight. What's the first thing he did? He got up and was baptized. I'm like, wow, I've never noticed this so much until I start really studying the great commission of Jesus. The next chapter, chapter 10, Peter preaches the good news, and it's getting crazy because it used to be just for God's people, the Jews. But all of a sudden, God's showing him it's not, for, it's not for just her or her, but it's also for her and her and him and her. It's for everybody, and it blows them away. And in Acts 10, Peter preaches the good news. Not only Jews are saved, but Gentiles. A Gentile is just a non-Jew. Most of us, we're Gentiles. It's for the Gentiles. And, and, and Peter, pre, or, um, yeah, Peter preaches it, and in Acts 10, 47, it says this. Peter asked, can anyone object to why they can't be baptized too now that they've received the Holy Spirit? See, when you're saved by Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, it's called the Holy Spirit, Spirit form, it, he enters into you. That is what it, that's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be saved. That's salvation. All the same. It's, it, you're made new by Jesus Christ when you call on his name. This is what's happening. And, and then he says he gave orders for them to go be baptized in the name of Jesus. I could keep going. I'll give you one more. Acts 16, 30 through 33. Saul is now Paul because he's been changed not just by name but by entire identity by Jesus Christ. And he's with Silas in jail. And they're worshiping in jail, in chains. Angel comes, because angels have a history of showing up in unexpected times, and chains fall off, jail doors fly open, another miracle. And the jailer is right there, and the jailer, if you, if you escape on a jailer's watch, he's dead. They'll kill that guy, they'll execute him. And the jailer says, check this out, the jailer says, sirs, he's freaking, what must I do to have what you have? Like what, you're saved by Jesus Christ, what do I need to do? Now, now, now lean in. 
if you're wondering, what, what does it mean? He keeps talking about Christian. He keeps talking about saved, salvation. How do I know I'm saved? This is what they tell him. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Along with everyone in your household, they believe they get saved too. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in the household. And even at that hour, the jailer's caring for them. And then he and everyone in his household are immediately baptized. And I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my gosh. This baptism is a big deal. And it's going to be a big deal to our church. I remember when I got baptized in a river with my daughter. And it was unbelievable. It didn't save me. Okay? Baptism doesn't save you. It does tell the world that you're saved. Okay? It's an outward declaration saying, I have Jesus Christ in me. I want people to know it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to get baptized. I want people to know I'm part of a church family. I want people to know I'm part of his family. I want to make a declaration that the old is gone and the new is here. That's what baptism is. But the only thing that saves you is a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you call on his name, the Bible says, you will be saved. Say, what's next? So what's next? What's next for you? Your next goal is your next step. I can't tell you exactly what that is because everybody's got a story and every story's individual and every story matters to God. But I'm here to tell you boldly that for a lot of you, your next step is being baptized. In three weeks on December 9th, we're baptizing in this church. And I'm here to tell you, so if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you've never been baptized as an adult, okay? Every example in the Word of God is somebody who's old enough to have been believed in Jesus, and then they get baptized. I just want to do what the Bible says. I was baptized as a baby. So if you were baptized as a baby, I don't think, and that's not a bad thing. It's just, it's just, I'm just telling you in the Bible, no babies, no babies were baptized, not even Jesus. I just want to do what the Bible says. The Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord and you're saved, the, the very next thing, they didn't even wait a second, and they jumped in the water. The Ethiopian, he found a puddle and said, let's get it done. And I'm, I'm telling you, maybe you've never been baptized as an adult or someone that's old enough to believe. This is your next step. If you, if you, if Jesus, if you call the name of the Lord, that's your next step. But for others of you, maybe you're like, I don't even know if Jesus is in me. I don't even know if I'm like born again or saved or whatever you want to call it. I'm telling you, that can change today. And that is the reason that God brought you here. It's because he wants to have a relationship with you. It is not about religion. It's not about just reading the Bible or going to church or doing, doing, doing. It's not about that. Those things, I think, once you're saved, you'll want that. You'll gravitate towards that because the Holy Spirit will kind of lead you that way. But I just want to teach you about baptism. I always say, people say, and the reason I know it doesn't save us is because the thief on the cross. There was a thief on the cross next to Jesus when they were crucified. And he called on the name of the Lord and said, said, Father, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus looked right at, the, right at this guy who deserved what he was getting and said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. I love that scripture. It doesn't say he baptized him. It just said, today you're with me in paradise. That thief is with Jesus today in paradise. Still there. Still partying like rock stars. I promise you, it's a party. It is a party. Let, let me close by saying this. Remember the scripture that the Ethiopian was reading? Remember when he was in the chariot and he was reading? I mean, I told you he's reading out of the book of Isaiah. And then Philip had to explain what, what the heck he was reading. Remember that? He was led like a sheep to slaughter. See, what Philip would have explained to the Ethiopian is no, no, no. That wasn't Isaiah. That was Jesus Christ. 
that, that Isaiah is writing about 700 years before it happened. Jesus was, was the sheep led to slaughter, by the way. He was led to, to a council of high priests who accused him, like Stephen, of doing things he didn't do. The scripture says, the lamb was silent before the shearers. Do you know what it says in Matthew? So Matthew, written 700 years later, Matthew 26, 62, and 63, is really this prophecy coming true. Matthew, who probably was friends with Philip, wrote this. Then the high priest stood up and said to Jesus, this is when he's in front of the people, he's getting accused of doing things he didn't do, and he says, well, aren't you gonna answer the charges? Are you gonna build a temple in three days? Are you the son of God? Are you the Messiah? And listen to this. What do you got to say for yourself? And Jesus remained silent. Fulfilling the prophecy that Isaiah wrote 700 years earlier. He will be silent before his shearers. Why is he silent? Why won't you stick up for yourself, Jesus? You're innocent. Because he loves you too much to speak. He has to fulfill the scripture. He's got to do what this father sent him to do. He's got to die on the cross. He knows it. He knows he don't deserve it, but he loves you too much not to. That's why the next day he went up on the cross. And the next day he was crucified. Like, like this is a true story. A man was on a cross and crucified with him. Dead! He was dead. They proved it. They speared him. He was dead. Jesus Christ, he was dead. A man. But that was just the beginning, not the end. Three days later, it says, after they put him in a tomb and they put a rock over it, Jesus Christ all of a sudden was raised up. So here a man that was dead, they knew it. He, he was raised to life. Like he, he burst forth from this tomb and he was alive. And all of a sudden, everything changed. Everything changed. That's what Christianity is based on, is that event. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is real. And I want to tell you something. If Jesus Christ can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, he can take what's dead inside of you and bring it back to life. That's what he's in the business of doing. Oh, we need you, Father. We need you. He loves you so much. He didn't speak because he had to die for you. But that, so, so, so his ministry then is really kicking off. The resurrection is real. We know it. That's why I get up here and preach so boldly because I know it's real. I was the dead man. Dead. Dead. I'm telling you, dead. So let's go back to three years earlier. Three years from the tomb, Jesus' ministry just began. Jesus came on the scene at 30 years old. We haven't seen or heard from him in years. All of a sudden, he comes on the scene, and he's getting ready to start his ministry for three years and go to the cross. This is crazy. In Matthew 3, it says, Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized. <laughs> Jesus is getting baptized. I mean, he's God, but he's teaching us. Baptism is so important. And he's getting baptized by his cousin. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. And they get baptized, and John's trying to talk them out of it. No, no, no. John knows Jesus is a big deal. He's like, no, cousin, I ain't baptizing you. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. No, no, no. I need to do this. I need to do it. It should be done for we must do everything that is right. Baptism is the right thing to do. So John agreed and baptized Jesus. And this is the part that blows me away. And if you haven't been encouraged yet today, this should encourage you. The Bible says Jesus is baptized he comes up out of the water, and the heavens opened up. It says he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and settled on Jesus. 
and a voice from heaven said, this is my, this is an audible voice down from heaven. Talk about freaking you out. God is speaking and he says, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And I think about that. I'm like, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. In fact, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Jesus, he just came on the scene. We don't even know what he's been doing. Bible don't even tell us what he's been doing for the last couple decades. But here's God doting on his son. That's my boy. I love him. I'm pleased with him. I'm like, God, he ain't done nothing. He ain't preached a sermon yet. He hasn't healed anybody yet. He hasn't raised anybody yet. He hasn't walked on water yet. He's done nothing. And I think God is saying that's the point. You, I grew up in an atmosphere where I thought I had to earn it. I did. I got to be good. I got to be good. I keep messing up, but I got to get better. I got to get better. I got to get in God's graces. I got to do better. And God, I'm telling you, the more that I tried to go forward, it's like the more I went backward. And I read this. And I read the scripture about Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, it's not about doing more good. It's about knowing the Son of God. I, like, like some of you, you walked in here today and you're literally broken on the inside and you know it. And you're worn out and you're tired and you're scared and you're struggling and you know in your life and in your parenting and in your relationships, you keep trying to move forward. I gotta keep doing the right thing. But yet you feel like you're back there. And God is saying, you know what? You, I've come for you. You're my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. You're my son with whom I'm well pleased. And he says, you gotta stop trying to earn it. He says, you just need to receive it. He says, receive the good news of Jesus. Believe the good news of Jesus. Because when you, when you receive that, you will know that the one who's in you is greater than anything that you're going through. That's who he is. I love you. I hope you, I hope you know I mean that with all my heart. But I don't love you as much as he does. He loves you so much. And some of you are so hard on yourselves and, and you're so condemning of yourselves. And God says, I love you so much. You're my son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. Come home. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary. I will give you rest. So here's, here's the next step. For some of you, you're going to commit or recommit your life to Jesus Christ. You're going to call on the name of the Lord. You're going to come pray with us after the service. And we're going to celebrate with you and we'll point you to another step. And God will show up and, and the angels in heaven will celebrate. And for others, you're going to sign up. And this is all on your connect card, these cards, on your connect card. Others, you're going to mark the box and say, I want to get baptized. Or you're going to mark it and say, I just got questions. I don't get it all, Pastor. I thought you had to be this or that or babies, whatever. It's okay. Just mark it. Mark, I want to get baptized. Even if you have questions, put your name on there. We'll call you. We'll talk about it. But December 9th, write that down. December 9th in three weeks, we are baptizing people in this church because it's because God made a big deal about it. And if he's making a big deal about something, this church is going to make a big deal about something. And I'm here to tell you something. God is changing lives in this church. And if you showed up here today, which you did, God wants to change your life too. And I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've done. But I do know that there is a Father in heaven who loves you and adores you and looks down to this today and says... I love you and I'm pleased with you and I'm not done with you. I am not done with you. So I'm going to pray for you and we're going to worship and I still think God's just getting started in this place today. Father, you are so good. I think of a story of Philip. It didn't make sense what you told him to do but he took a next step. His next step changed a life. 
What if we as a church took a next step? Father, you know my story. I went to church all my life, but it was showing up and checking, just checking a box saying, hey, I came, I went. Really didn't listen, really didn't want to learn, really didn't want to take any steps. Just checked it off the box and lived my life on my terms. That is not the life that you died for. And for the people in this place, God, that maybe they're living that way, this is the day that you're calling them home. This is the day the father looks down at his son and his daughter and he says, come home. I died for you. I rose for you. I have life for you. You you don't have to just exist. You don't have to just get by. You can live. You can thrive. You You can have what's called abundance and you can live new in me. That is the promise to somebody in this place. God, I pray that they make the decision. I pray that let us know about it so we can love them and walk with them and point them closer to you. Because all I know is this, God, the closer that we get to you, the more our life changes. And I didn't come here just to check a box. I came here for changed lives. God, I need things in my life changed, and so do other people. Do what only you can do. Thank you for Jesus Christ. When we call on his name, we're saved. When we believe that he died and rose, we're saved. When we surrender our life and say, God, I don't want to drive anymore. I don't want to control anymore. I can't. It's too overwhelming. It's too tiring. I don't have the strength, and that's why you came. And you're looking at us and saying, you don't need the strength. I have it. That's why I died. Father, thank you so much for your truth. Thank you so much that in you, the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen. Hey, wherever you are, thanks so much for joining us today. We are so glad that you did. And if this blessed you in any way, man, we would love for you to subscribe to this channel, follow us on social media, and stay connected with us. And let me say most importantly, if you are ready to give your life to Christ or you want to make a decision for Jesus today, we would love it, man. Connect with us. Contact us at hello at meadows.church. Again, hello at meadows.church. Let us know what God is doing in your life. And know this, God loves you and the best is true.